Hi, I'm Jo Taylor, MD of Let's Talk Talent, and I'm wanting to welcome you to the Let's Talk Talent podcast episode four. I'm really excited to be joined by my friend and colleague, Sally Henderson. She is a high stakes leadership mentor. She works with senior leaders and teams in periods of change and transition. So what is gonna be a really interesting conversation, especially as we spent the last year in a period of change and transformation, Sally? Oh, haven't we just, Joe? Like, like no other, <laughs> like no other. And uh, yeah, thank you for inviting me to talk to you today. I've been really looking forward to it. Brilliant. So let me start off with kind of a question that's sort of burning in my mind. You know, when you think at the moment, we've got huge amounts of change and transition, what are you seeing um, as key capabilities of leaders that are really, you know, embracing that change? What are the kind of skills or attributes or behaviors that you would recognize and think would be really important for our audience to understand and take note of? Wow, great question. Because I think at the moment, you need to be doing a lot actually as a leader um, in such change and uncertainty over such a prolonged period. I think one thing that I'm hearing and seeing in the market and with clients is that, you know, people are tired. <laughs> people are tired. It's been demanding on us in ways we've none of us experienced before in the clash of like home and work and environment. And, and, you know, everyone's experience has been so different. So therefore I think for any leader out there, the challenge is they're not dealing with one set of um, circumstances around change and uncertainty. They've got like everything under the hood and more. <laughs> so therefore the demand on that leader is incredible because what works for perhaps one team or one office or one location uh, won't necessarily be the right thing for a different team, office or location, or even just individual. So the things that I'm seeing work really well with clients that I'm currently supporting. I think the first thing I would say is actually, that might sound obvious and sometimes a little bit trite even to even say this, but caring, Joe, <laughs> I think caring is overlooked in oh. business and um, when you talk about leadership and performance and change and goals actually if you just show you care yeah <laughs> you oh, can connect totally. i totally agree with you and it was interesting that you bring that up because that is the number one we do a we've done a workshop recently for um king's college around how they're re-onboarding for their managers and out of the five principles the first one is cared for mm. And it is, it's the wrapper, isn't it? It's the golden thread of why you um, either stay in an organization or leave an organization. Because if you feel as if someone understands you and cares for you beyond the contribution that you might be giving them to the bottom line or, you know, um, the KPIs, it, it gives you, it gives you um, strength, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think it even builds on that to give you belonging. And we're, we're all tribal at the end of the day. Well, most of us are anyway, in some form or another. And we want to have that sense that we belong somewhere and actually that we, we mean something and we make a difference and that we're seen. And if yeah. a, if a is not showing that they care, then how can they achieve any of the other things? You know, if you don't feel seen, you don't feel connected and that you belong. Um, just that act of asking, there's a question that I ask my clients all the time which starts with, and these are senior leaders, very successful and shiny to the outside world. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll ask them a question that often they don't, they don't even get asked themselves, which is, how are you? <laughs> but then I'll add to it by saying, how are you really? 
because the normal answer is fine, not bad, okay, it could yeah. be better, could yeah. be worse. Yeah. And it's a bit of a flippant kind of language, doesn't that we we ask and we reply, but we don't listen and we don't connect. Yeah. And I think if people start to ask that question, how are you? But with real um, authenticity about wanting to have have a proper answer, a proper conversation, yeah, that's caring and that's connecting. And that doesn't take money. It doesn't take sign off. <laughs> it just take. It does take one vital resource though, which I do think we're in um, short supply of at the moment. It does take energy. Like caring does need energy, and I think that's one of the challenges that leaders have out there at the moment. Is that energy is a finite resource, and it has to be replenished. It has to be cared for in its own own right, actually, and. I think a lot of things that I'm hearing and seeing as we come into like the dark months and the end of a hard year is that people's energy is low. And so for a leader, I would say, if you're looking to achieve that caring and therefore that connection with your team, you first of all have got to be caring for yourself and making sure your energy is in a place where you can give and that you've got, and it, but that you can replenish because otherwise we just see people running into burnout. So when you think about um, energy, what does that look like? What are the kind of tools or techniques that when you're coaching somebody, you can really identify those kind of triggers that will help them replenish that energy? Do you know what I think a real, for me, a clue I pick up on straight away is voice tone. Right. You can read someone's energy by their voice tone and and obviously with Zoom, we're not in a human kind of connected world physically, but we are in a virtual world of seeing. So I think to read energy, you have to just sort of see how someone's face is, and, but listen to their voice tone and that will show you where their energy is at. There's a technique actually, or I teach with my clients, which is around doing energy vision boards. Nice. Which man gives you a, a physical um, reality of what your energy looks like at different levels. So I had a wonderful client who kept burning out. Um, pre all the challenges of the current market because they kept looking to operate at a level of energy that just wasn't sustainable now to them good was always being at 110 percent yeah and you and I both know Joe that that's just not no one has 101 percent let's be honest you know we can sustainable is it's not sustainable and I think you know if you're a high performer um, or a high achiever and you've always been used to being successful kind of recognizing that in yourself but also recognizing that in others is is it takes it takes sometimes somebody to point that out and I know I definitely know that that's um, been pointed out to me in terms of mentors or coaches um, before and it's been a bit of a light bulb I think sometimes you can you can you know it in your gut but you're not able to articulate it by having someone like you who can sort of point it out and has got no sort of axe to grind or agenda totally. it's really really useful right yeah and just helping someone realize what their energy levels are like so with this particular client i'm talking about we got them to look at what does their energy look like when they're at a three like nobody wants to be at a three hey <laughs> if you've got no. It's not a happy place. And no. what was amazing is when we put images around that, around this vision board, God, it was accurate. And, and also then you've got something to think, well, do I actually want to be there? Does that look a good place now that I've made it something that's tangible? And then we okay. had their energy at um, a six. Okay. I also believe that seven isn't really a healthy number when you're trying to scale between naught and 10, because seven's a bit like IBM. You, know, you, won't, you, won't, 
you won't get fired for using them but you know are you going not IBM so I said seven is like is, is the safety ground where it's neither one or the other I say it's either 6.9 or 8.1 got it which is it going to be so if you take seven out of the equation you say right this is what energy looks like at a six so it's healthy it's good and it's 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 like the 6.9 range and then what does energy look like at eight above and when you've got that differentiation of like okay I definitely don't want to go to a three because that's painful and things break at three yeah and six is healthy and I've got range to come up but I'm I'm you know it's it's, it's quite manageable a six yeah um, and you've got that range to be at 6.9 but eight eight is what you call on when you need some extra oomph in the, right. in the motor but you don't need to be an eight constantly okay if you run an engine at eight all the time it's going to wear out isn't it absolutely and also you don't get any appreciation of difference true and we all have peaks and troughs don't we i mean it's it's it's, it's life um so you know yeah. we, we all have good days bad days but it's kind of recognizing that i i use that um a coach um did a technique with me which i use with my coaches sometimes which is around sort of the positive affirmations at the end of the day. So you write five words um, of how you felt during the day. And then you do that, you look at that over a week or two weeks and you see, and you, and you go through it with somebody and you say, okay, so what were you feeling when you did that? And you said, oh, I, I, I was brilliant in that presentation. What was it that you were seeing? What was you feeling? What were you doing? And, it, and it's a bit of a light bulb moment that actually it's okay sometimes to not be at peak within a meeting or a team yeah. call or, or something like that. It, or it's just not needed. Like yeah. you don't need to put that much energy in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, absolutely. It's surplus to requirements. And I think if people know they've got ranges to avoid mm -hmm. and they know that they don't have to maintain that high level constantly, yeah. you've got greater control suddenly. And, and isn't that one of the things that is, you know, change and transformation sort of um, is scary for leaders who've been used to kind of having that control mm. that that's all been taken away and in a way they've got to kind of um, work through that while everyone's looking at them from an organization or a team perspective to have all of the answers yeah and I think that's a really interesting phrase having all the answers I think as well when leaders can actually be really safe in knowing they don't have to have all the answers and actually, if you're going through a change period, nobody has all the answers. And that's, that's yeah. part of reality. Yeah. Because the one thing I think this year's taught us definitely is there is no control. It's an illusion. <laughs> it's just an illusion. It's all about perspective. Okay. So I think if people suddenly become less linear about being in control or out of control, and you just embrace the fact that you're, we're all in just constant change. That, that, is, that is a reality. So if you can let go for the need of control, you've got to have anchors, don't get me wrong. You've got to have influence and you've got yeah. to have clear responsibility. But if you don't have a need for control, okay. I think you have a lot less anxiety in your world. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And when you think about it in that perspective, it kind of leads into performance, doesn't it? You know, the performance, not only that you, you know, your goals and objectives, but also how that is measured. So when you think about performance, you know, high performing individuals or high performing teams, how does, you know, what, you know, how you support um, managers look at how they drive that performance culture, um, especially if 
some of the anchors, as you say, have been taken away from them? Um, I think it comes down to a real fundamental element, which is normally missing in a lot of organisations, which is clarity. Okay. Clarity on what actually good or great performance looks like. Right. So what are we measuring and why? <laughs> and yeah. is that actually up to date? Okay. And is it accurate? Uh, and do people believe in it? Is it motivating? Yeah. So I think yeah. if high performance is naturally aligned to people's motivators, to their values, to the reason why they join that tribe, my point around community and belonging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually self-fulfilling a lot of time okay. because the, the drive comes from within. And if the drive comes from within, you're just shaping and sculpting and supporting it as a manager. You're not having to drag it out <laughs> of somebody or work extra hard to get it to a level where they're not working with you. That make that I mean that makes a lot of sense. It's it's kind of joining up, isn't it? The kind of the purpose of why we're here, making that really clear and consistent, but also understanding what makes somebody work for you, their kind of strengths, their drivers, their motivation. What strikes me is that, as you said, a lot of organizations look at it very linear. So they mm. look at performance in terms of, okay, so we've got to set goals. And, you know, what are the skills gaps that you've got? And then they sort of then don't join up the behavior. When you think about performance, you know, what are the elements that go into performance beyond sort of, you know, the, the, the usual suspects? So I have a, a framework I've created called the five R's to drive successful change, which I think answers this question really well, which is the fifth and final R, which is reward. So a lot of time we're going into the world of work, um, both as a senior leader and as a member of the company, without being clear on this vital bucket of like okay. reward to me is the value. It's why you're bothering. Like, why are you going and working for this company? Why are you giving everything you've got? Um, why do you want to grow under their care? You know, all the things that make us want to belong to somewhere. And what's fascinating is when you can answer this reward bucket, suddenly you can make a plan. And that yeah. makes the performance element much easier and healthy to achieve. Mm -hmm. And so what's involved in the reward bucket is that you've got three columns. And the first column is what I call the head needs around reward. And I often, my background is as a headhunter. So I bring a lot of that talent understanding and why people leave and join organizations yeah. and what makes people happy in companies. And if you understand the actually at the end of the day, you're at work, I believe you're building a career product. You're building an entity, something that yeah. is separate to yourself. Yeah. So I'm not a believer of bring your whole self to work and it should all be the same at home and work. It's, it's like, no, you should be different. They are different. <laughs> Embrace difference. It's good. So if you're looking at how you build your career product, which is what you're getting value, what you're getting reward from creating and also what's yeah. therefore valuable to the organization that's investing in you. It breaks down into only three fundamental things in my book. You're firstly growing skills as a reward. So if I come into this organization and I raise my performance and I'm really delivering, I will be using skills that I have already that are valuable, but I will be gaining new skills by the role that I'm either in or transitioning into next. Yeah. By doing that, I'll also be building my knowledge. And to do that, I need to be gaining certain experience. So very simply for me, reward and high performance comes down to looking at three areas, the skills that you're growing and gaining, 
the knowledge that you're acquiring and the experiences you're having to put those to good use. And if you're clear on how you want your head needs, as I call it, in your career product to be developing, you're motivated to be a high performer because you're gaining that reward back from pushing yourself and from changing ultimately, from growing and striving. It then goes to the second column, which I think we overlook at our peril at work, but it happens all the time. How do you want to feel? Mm -hmm. What are your heart needs? So to do this actually picks up on a strategy you were talking about or technique you talked about a moment ago, which is write down five words, five adjectives that best describe how you would choose to feel at work on an average day. So yes, there'll be peaks and troughs and you're going to have difference in it. But on an average day or month or quarter, how do you want to feel at work across these five adjectives? Because what people forget from my experience you have a choice about how you feel at work. True. You either choose to feel unhappy or you choose to feel happy. It cannot be done to you. So if your reward bucket is getting, you're getting your emotional needs met at work, that's motivating and that's going to build performance. Now, just to give a very quick example on that, if I worked for you, Joe, and you said, right, Sally, tell me the five adjectives of how you want to feel in my company. And I said, I want to feel stretched, Joe really exhilarated, really um, learning, um, kind of out of my comfort zone or whatever else, you'd be like, okay, I get a sense of where Sally's coming from. Yeah, definitely. You you instantly know a bit about the tone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. On the opposite, if I said, I want to feel safe, I want to feel like I'm consolidating, I want to feel stable, and I want to feel very uh, connected. Yeah whatever I'm only doing there's one missing because there should be five <laughs> um you again get a very different vibe instantly about the kind Definitely. of experience I want so if you were to stretch person b like the second person and give them lots of that new stuff they would be scared and unhappy yeah, they'd be in a panic zone but equally if you didn't give that to person a they're bored yeah they'd be leaving you they'd be they'd be looking for, to go in a six months or a year to go and gain experience from someone else yeah, you're right they, they want a different experience yeah and, a, if the person knows it about themselves, they don't feel yeah. guilty as well. Or yeah. feeling like I want to grow more in terms of excitement or change. Well, actually, that's not me. Okay, that's great. Because we all need yeah. different motivators and emotions yeah. work. And then you can channel them more effectively. And the way to get even more accurate on this is that you then percentage weight them. Okay. So then I'm not making assumptions of what your words mean on your behalf. So if I've got really? stretched and all the other words I put in, but actually stretch is only 5%. Yeah. Then you know, oh, okay. But if it's 50%, you yeah. get another level of in. You do. Of it's really lovely. And it's really simple it is. Um, to do, but hugely, as you say, hugely motivating for someone to take the time to do that, to understand you beyond the contribution or the job role that you have in that particular business. Okay. That makes sense. It also shortcuts it for the leader to work out. Yeah. Exactly. Well, leader's not a mind reader, so they can't, you know, you have to, you know, what we're talking about is driving the right conversation. By having that conversation, you're going back to what you said in the head, which is around, you know, the join up between what the skills and the knowledge that someone wants to gain or use with the motivation, which is the heart. And I always talk about the heart, the head and the hands, which is the the do. Yeah. What do you want me to do? And what's also fascinating about understanding the heart, you then understand pace. Yes. The way that this, you, the pace of interaction you will be having with this person. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the final column is what mm-hmm. I call 
money practical. Okay. So I have a saying, which is we all have a number. <laughs> you know, I used to interview people when I was a headhunter and I'd be like, well, what do you want to earn as a salary? They'd be like, well, I don't really know. And you'd, you'd say a few things and not that. I said, well, you do know then. So what's your number? <laughs> yeah. And everybody has a number that's motivating to them. Mm -hmm. uh, and the more we can be honest about that, the better performance we're going to drive. You know, all we can address is a problem here, Houston. <laughs> you want that. We can't give that, especially in the current market. Mm. Then, therefore, you can compensate for it with the head or the heart, perhaps. Of course, whilst, you can. whilst that's out of kilter, or putting clear performance metrics so that can be achieved. Yeah. And yeah. the P, which is practical, I think is even more important in the current working environment where it's all blended, is what are the logistics around how you want to work as a reward? Yeah. So, in the old normal, it might have been commuting time. Yeah. Travel time. Like some people love travel. I want to be on a plane at least once a month. Yeah, Other yeah. people be like, I will go on a plane once a quarter. Yeah. Um, some people like to do out of hours calls because they like to be international and the vibe of it all. And they, they like different patterns. Other people hate it. <laughs> it kills them. So if you know the practical reward someone's looking for, someone might have a passion around sport or a competition or something that they want to invest in. OK, I can't give you your number, but I can give you time. OK. So I can hit your reward as close as I can across money and practical because I know to you that's motivating. So therefore your performance is going to be much easier to connect to and to sustain because you're getting a reward and a value back. Yeah, that makes it that that makes a lot of sense and really simple. What I like about it is the simplicity of it. You know, people that have listened to this podcast will know I love a good model. And by understanding, you know, thank you for sharing um, that with us, um, giving an insight into, you know, the, the five R's that you have. Um, but by bringing that what the reward to life, it sort of gives people the foundations to then put that into practice. And that's what this is all about, isn't it? It's not, you know, people can bore the ocean on performance and leadership. You know, we both work in consultancy, so we know that, you know, we're busy at the moment because um, these are big testing problems. But mm. what I'm hoping is that while people are listening to this, they're sort of seeing how they can use it in their context, because that's what's coming across to me from my conversation is that frameworks and processes are all OK. But at the end of the day, knowing your people, who knows your business better than you, who knows your people better than you, um, if you put your self in that consumer mindset of who are your tribes and your audience then you're going to be able to not build a one size fits all but a really um, bespoke um, individualistic experience that has that heart and the head and as you said the money and the practical yeah and also what's really fascinating joe which gets overlooked all the time is that the key senior leaders also can answer those questions well i was going to say how does it how do you see because it's all very well you know what we're saying to people, you know, use this in the context of you with your teams, but are you seeing that then mirror upwards? Because that's important, isn't it? It's not just top down, it's, it's kind of bottom up. Are you seeing it top down? It's again, it's a, it can be mistakenly in my book seen as a luxury. Okay. To stop and think about yourself as the leader and your needs and your rewards, because also okay. right now, just keeping going for a lot of businesses is, is hard enough. Okay. You know, there's, a, there's a huge True. art on a pure, as we talked about energy level, a pure volume of work to get through. And also the pure disruption around planning, replanning, planning, replanning. Uh, that's knackering for people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would counter that by saying, 
you it's a it's a bad analogy to use in the current market but it works in terms of put your own oxygen mask on first like yeah. if, if a leader isn't being stimulated um supported if they are not managing their own performance levels and knowing what their reward is from doing that like the basic walk the walk they're going to always be coming in from a place of depletion yeah and that goes back to the point that you made at the very beginning, which was around belonging, care for energy, you know, kind of in, in a sense, you know, um, make sure that you're thinking about that as much about yourself um, as in the teams. That makes complete sense to me. Yeah. yeah. So I often will say to my clients, who's caring for you? Yeah. You no, know, because it, it's true. All the old sayings, it's lonely at the top. It's stressful at the top. It's isolating. Yeah, you often is. can't show your true feelings for certain no. reasons because no. that's just not the role that can be played at a given moment but you have to show them to someone <laughs> well it was interesting there was a piece of research done by google um, project aristotle that looked at psychological safety mm. and when people feel psychologically safe and that's kind of what you're talking about here that if someone feels safe to have that conversation and open up then they're more likely to be able to do that authentically and role model that with their team. If they don't feel that they've got that safety, they're unlikely to role model it, aren't they? Because if you don't see it, you don't repeat 100%, it. hundred percent. And I think it's about giving that permission. To, yeah. I think what this year has given is actually more permission for people to be honest about how they're experiencing the world um, and to share and collaborate more as, yeah. as groups and tribes. So again, I'm part, I'm members of lots of different groups where lots of leaders come together so they can right. talk in safety and they can talk to peers and know that they're not on their own or they're not having a unique experience and everyone else is fine, you know. No, and I think that's been the biggest, I think that's been a lesson for us as a business. We, we do a pro bono mentoring program and, you know, not only looking after the mentees, but also the mentors has been a big, strong push um, for us. And it's been really interesting to see how people have kind of um, tuned into that more um, and engage with, with, with that sort of safety element and, and security, you know, in a, in a small environment. You know, coaching um, also helps that. It does, because I think high performance will live or die by a high performing leader. Yeah, no, I it's pretty simple, isn't it? It really is. And then therefore that and that leader, I think it's an unrealistic task to expect that leader to do it on their own. Yeah, they would not expect that of their people. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. So if people wanted to get in contact with you um, and learn more about your five R's, um, you know, how would they do that, Sally? Oh, lots, lots of ways. Um, website is sallyhenderson.co.uk where you can learn more about who I am and what I do. Um, LinkedIn, always connect with me on LinkedIn. That would be fantastic. Sally K. Henderson. And email me, sally at sallyhenderson.co.uk. And I'm a bit of an old-fashioned person who likes the phone. So I'm really happy for people to ring me. Like, let's be human. Let's talk. But, you know, you're lately fits well with your name if <laughs> your business but yeah, let's talk so you know give me a ring 07788-961-950 brilliant well look i know we could i know we've sort of scratched the surface um but this is what these podcasts are all about they're kind of about sort of laying it bare keeping it simple and ultimately giving people that platform to take it on. So I really feel like we've done that together and thank you so much for your time your energy 
um, and your permission for us to all ask ourselves, how are we really? That's your okay. challenge, listeners. Mm -hmm.